is experience in what I am calling the continuity of discipleship. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for every opportunity you give us to come like this together to look into your word, to be instructed by your Holy Spirit, to understand a little more what it is to walk with you, to understand a little bit more effectively how we can serve you more effectively. I pray that you would use this time now to glorify yourself, first of all, but then to help us that we might grow, that we might become what you want us to be, and that you would conform us more to the image of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. The the life of a disciple, the life of discipleship, is a life of perseverance, of sticking to it. The Christian life is not something that comes along and, and everything is, is peachy keen. In fact, experience tells us that the closer we seek to walk to God and to obey his word, the more the enemy is going to oppose us. As a result, the way gets rough at times. But the disciple, the real disciple, is one who perseveres, one who sticks to it, one who follows the teaching of God and, and the scriptures as the Holy Spirit brings them to his life, regardless of circumstances. One whose motto is that passage in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That should be the motto of every one of us who seeks to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The perseverance, the, the, the willingness to stay with it regardless of circumstances. In order to do this, there is a need for a continuing renewal of our minds. Because all around us are, are all kinds of influences that, that want us to think about other things, that want to draw us into other pursuits, to get our minds involved in other things that are enjoyable perhaps temporarily, but that are not profitable eternally. And that's why the Bible talks so continually about having our minds renewed. You remember some of those passages. Romans 12, 2. Be renewed in your minds. Don't, don't become like the world. Be transformed, he says. Don't let the society around you squeeze you into its mold. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So a disciple is that person who persists in whatever is necessary to renew their minds continually, daily, in order to know what God says and to seek to put it into practice. 
The temptation that there is today is summed up in three little words. Take it easy. Take it easy. Be cool. Don't, don't get uptight. My friends, that is not the motto of a disciple. A disciple can't afford to take it easy. He can't afford to be cool in the sense of the society's concept. A disciple is that one who is willing to face whatever comes. There's an old hymn. Some of you may know it. Many of you do not. The words are absolutely fantastic. Listen to them. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And should I fear to own his cause, or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease, while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to fight? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace, to lead me on to God? No, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain. Supported by thy word. That's what it means to be a disciple. That is the battle in which we're involved. Now, here in this passage, Isaiah presents for you and for me four steps that are absolutely essential if we are to be strong, persistent, continuing disciples. The first statement is in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah Isaiah got a look at the glory of God. He got a look at the exalted position of the Lord. Note, note two words in this statement. The first one is very simple. I. I saw the Lord. This isn't what somebody told me. This is not hearsay. It's not some experience that somebody else had and they came and explained it to me. This is something that happened to me. My friends, you need that and I need that. I look back through my life 
the years that I've been involved in the ministry, they're now a lot of them, 51 years. And I think of the occasions when, by God's grace, he revealed himself to me in some unusual way. I saw the Lord, and my life was changed. Oh, I don't mean it was some emotional, cataclysmic experience. I was studying, reading the Word perhaps, meditating, perhaps reviewing verses I had memorized, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God let me see something fresh and new about God. I saw the Lord. It wasn't that I heard somebody else speaking about it. It isn't enough for you or for me to hear somebody talking about it. It's, it's the same as if I stood up here and described a beautiful meal that I had and told you how good it was and, and used all kinds of words to make your mouth start watering. Wouldn't help you a bit other than to make you hungry so that you could run out after the service and get something to eat. But it wouldn't serve you. You see... God requires of you and me, if we are going to be disciples, he requires that we feed ourselves at his feet. Not that we come to be fed. We cannot be spoon-fed all our lives. It is good to come and hear teaching. It is good to come together. But growth and development spiritually will take place in the quietness of your own experience with God. I I saw the Lord. Then note the next little phrase I want you to see. I saw the Lord. The Lord. God wants to reveal himself to you and to me. He's given us his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit. And his desire is to reveal himself to us. Jesus said this, He that has my commandments and keeps them, obeys them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me will be loved of my Father, and I will love him. And note the next phrase, and I will reveal myself to him. He wants to reveal himself to you a little at a time so that you can learn to know him personally. I saw the Lord. What a difference it would make in our lives. No one can get a glimpse of the Lord, a real glimpse of the Lord, and ever be the same. Ever be the same. Isaiah talks about this personal encounter. That's what we need. A personal encounter with God. David had that. He talks about it a great deal in the Psalms. And one of the verses that he gives us is the verse that says, The one thing I want from God, the thing I seek most of all, is the privilege of meditating in his temple, living in his presence every day of my life, delighting in his incomparable perfections and glory. See, that's what we have to do. We have to be willing to live in his presence 
and delight in who he is, his incomparable perfections and glory. He wants to reveal himself to us. All he needs is for us to want to know him. That's why Paul said, I count everything else as wasted, as nothing, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. To know him. Well, that's what Isaiah is talking about. The second thing that we see that I want us to notice is not just this revelation part, the revelation of God to me and to you. I saw the Lord. But notice the reaction in verse 5. I saw myself. That's basically what he's saying. In verse 5, he expresses his concern. He says, woe to me, for I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. And my, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You see, whenever we see the Lord, we also become aware of those areas in our life that need to be cleaned up. Not only do we become aware of them, but we're willing to allow the Spirit of God to clean them up. We can't, we can't see the Lord without being aware of our imperfections, our need for His help, our need for forgiveness. Thank God that He does forgive us. We don't have to be afraid of that. You see, the closer you get to the light, the more spots you're going to see on your clothes. It's just the way it is. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more spots become apparent that he wants to clean. We don't have to be discouraged because the spots are there because he wants to clean them. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Isaiah saw the Lord and then his reaction was that he saw himself. The need for honest confession. I am a man of unclean lips. You know, one of the things that we are facing in our society today is people who are continually excusing their behavior because of something that happened to them in the past. This is the big thing today. This is the big recovery movement one of those outstanding psychologists, and I'm putting that in quotation marks because I don't believe he is, but he is well known, written books. He says 96% of the people in the United States need to recover. They have something in their life that, that is keeping them from being everything they should be. My friends, that is nothing more than an advertisement for psychiatrists. And at $150 an hour, they do advertise. And they try to convince us, all of us, that we have needs that only psychiatrists can take care of. It's a shame. God intended that those needs be taken care of in the body. 
And he's given us guidelines. That's another message we'll hear some other time. The point I am making is this. The only way that we are going to find deliverance and recovery spiritually and freedom is in confessing and admitting my sin. Not my mother's sin, not my father's sin, and what they did to me, my sin. Taking personal responsibility for my life. That's what needs, that's what needs to happen. But we become very, very adept at excusing our behavior, at rationalizing it, blaming somebody else for it, and not taking responsibility. But if cleansing, if the cleansing that God has for us is going to take place, It's going to be when we call sin, sin. Not just a mistake. Not just an error. Not just a slip. But sin. Because the moment that we identify it as sin, God says he can forgive it. That's the most hopeful thing there is. Isaiah said, I saw myself. I saw the need to confess, to recognize. Then the third thing we see, we've seen now the revelation, the reaction. The third thing is repentance. Repentance. Notice in verse 7. He says, starting with verse 6, Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs, from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Repentance requires a change. That's what repentance means. Repentance means turning around and going in a different direction. Confession is just the admission of that fact, whatever that fact might be. Repentance is taking steps not to keep repeating that, not to keep doing it, doing whatever is necessary to overcome it. You remember in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, Paul is talking about the need for for the change that has to happen. We, we're to put certain things off, we're to have our minds renewed, and we're to put certain things on. That's in verses, uh, in chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. But if you look down at verse 28, it talks about the thief. It says the thief should no longer steal, but should work with his hands, earning enough to give to others who are in need. Now think about that for just a moment. The thief who has all his life gotten along by taking things from others is now told that repentance requires for him not to just stop stealing. That's the first step. We said confessing it and recognizing it. Not just to stop stealing. That's not total repentance. But now he's to get a job. And for him, that's a whole new lifestyle. 
Up until now, he's, he's taken off of other people at work. Now he is to get a job and work himself. And then the third thing in this step of repentance is he is to give to others who are in need, not take from them. There's the whole picture of repentance. Not just saying, I'm sorry, not just confessing it, not admitting it's sin. That's enough. That's part of it. But then taking steps to correct that behavior and put on a new behavior that glorifies God. That's what repentance is. And that's what Isaiah is going through. Confessing, recognizing, but realizing the need for a change. And here we're told that this seraph, this angel, comes with a hot coal and touches his lips because it's, a, it's the lips that he was talking about. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. This is simply symbolic of God's cleansing. But part of repentance is in the cleansing and then in the changing and turning around that God can do what he wants in our lives. And then finally, Notice the last word that I want to bring to your attention. In verse 8, we've seen the revelation of God, the reaction, he saw himself. Repentance was cleansed and prepared and willing to be used of God. And then finally in verse 8, he offered himself. When we sang the chorus a while ago, I exalt you, I exalt you. I want to help us remember that part of recognizing who he is and exalting him is also saying, you are Lord of my life. And you can do whatever you want with my life. And wherever there are things that need to be changed in my behavior, and the way I treat my family, and the way I do my work, the language I use. Wherever there is a need for you to change me, to take the coal off of the altar and cleanse that part of my life, I exalt you. I want you to do that, whatever it is that needs to be cleansed. Because, my friends, until we're willing to take those steps, we can't take this last one. God said, who shall I send? And who will go for me? And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. But he couldn't have said that without the steps that preceded it. And we can't either. whatever it is that God may want us to do. And God wants to use every one of us. Oh, maybe not like these young men that are going down to Mexico for six weeks or our couple that's going to Uganda or others that go to different parts of the world. That may not be what God has for you to do. But God has a place that he wants you to fill. And no one else can fill it but you. But you can't fill it. You can't be available to God you can't be the instrument that God wants to use until you go through this process through which Isaiah went. I saw 
the Lord. Are you taking time regularly to allow him to reveal himself to you so that you can see him more clearly? I saw the Lord. I saw myself. Are you willing to pray with the psalmist, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting? And then when he shows you something, are you willing to admit it, confess it, as Isaiah did? I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. I need to be cleansed. And having been cleansed, then to say, Lord, use me. Any way you want, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm your servant. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Isaiah reached that point. That's why Paul says, again in that verse in Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world. It's so easy, my friends. There is so much pressure around us to conform to the values, the thinking of the world. He says, don't be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. I'm just going to wait for a few moments. We're not going to talk or I'm not going to pray out loud. I just want you. We've got a little time. I just want you to take two or three minutes now, quietly, just very personally. Talk to the Lord. Whatever it is that you feel a need for right now, whether you need to know him better, whether you need to recognize some sin in your life, whether you need to repent of some behavior, how you want to offer yourself to him. Just quietly right now, take some time. Lord Jesus, take this life of mine. I give to Thee my all. 
Thy Spirit has made plain to me Thy urgent call. Lord, send me. Oh, send me forth, I pray. The need is great. Thy call I will obey. Thy love compels me. I must go. 